Hello, my name is Samuel George London and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book writer and very energetic individual, Russell Nolte, about what comics he would take into a super intelligent ape uprising apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene. To support their work, you can become a friend of Comic Scene for just £20 a year. When you become a friend, you get access to premium content on the website, including Comic Scene Weekly, Newsstand Comics, Retro Comics, Comic Shop of the Week, and free comic downloads. To find out more, visit comicscene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Russell Nolte. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Um, I've I've been uh, a, a fair admirer of your prolific um, output um, over over the years. I first came came across you um, through uh, through Comics Launch, um, basically, um, and uh, yeah, no, been um, admiring the the amount of work that you're able to put out. It's 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 quite something. Well, thank you so much. It's always uh, it's always nice to meet somebody who uh, who knows who I am before I uh, before I talk to them. So, um, but yes, it's been a long it's been a lot of work over a long period of time. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and and that kind of leads us in uh, to to what you're here today to talk about. Um, but for anybody that hasn't come across you just yet, uh, what do you do in the world of comics? Sure. So I uh, edit this anthology series called Cthulhu is Hard to Spell. I'm the publisher of Wannabe Press, and then I am a uh, comic creator, and I've even drawn a few comics. So I've drawn uh, the books How Not to Invade Earth and uh, Gherkin Boy and the Dollar of Destiny. Um, And then I've uh, written and created Katrina Hates the Dead, Pixie Dust, Black Market Heroine, and then my big um, monster series, Ichabod Jones, Monster Hunter. Excellent, and uh, and that's where we are um, are today because uh, Volume Four is kickstarting right now, isn't it? It is, and it's kind of unbelievable when this. If you told me uh, that my, a book that I had written in two thousand and ten, um, as like a angry frustration with the comics industry, would be something that I would be known for, and I'd be still <laughs> making twelve years later, I, I honestly would not believe you. <laughs> it's crazy where we end up isn't it um but uh fantastic that it's getting a volume four um volumes one to three very ex- successful um and it all started in 2014 didn't it yeah so that's the first kickstarter it actually started way back earlier uh, i took a pitch called wannabes to comic-con 2010 now i was a young mm-hmm. upstart uh writer and i just assumed that like i had a book that was eight pages and like everyone would offer me a contract and that didn't happen everyone said it was a superhero book back before superhero books were really done independently that often and everyone Mm -hmm. said basically why would i put this book out if um if uh marvel and dc are putting out superhero books so i got really discouraged and i was like you know that's not really the book that i want to make anyway uh if i'm gonna if i'm gonna get a no i'm gonna get like a hard no by doing like the thing that like i really want to do i didn't quite know where that is yet but uh one day i was on my way into the valley in los angeles and i crested over the hill um on the 405 and just the idea of ichabod came to me and i was like yeah that's gonna piss off a lot of people and so i went with it and it's been kind of my like little rage fueled monster for 12 years 
Absolutely fantastic. Um, and in fact, people can actually read the first issue for free, can't they? They can. Um, pretty much anywhere will have it for free. I think I have it up on Global Comics um, for free yes. uh, mm-hmm. uh, right now. I have all, I think, the 12 issues up on Global Comics and uh, probably still on Comixology somewhere. And if people when people join my mailing list, they get the first issue for free. So uh, there's all sorts of ways to get it for free. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and where can people sign up to your newsletter? Uh, it's at russellnolte.com, just my name.com. Excellent. Um, and then uh, people can find you on the socials there as well, because uh, you're on Twitter. Um, but are you, are you on the other platforms as well? Uh, I do technically have an Instagram, but it's only to, to talk to my tattoo artist. Uh, but, uh, and it's at Russell <laughs> Writes Things. And then yeah. I am uh, I'm on Facebook and uh, Twitter and, the, and just at my name. And those are kind of the only places that I, I actually deleted all of my other accounts because I don't use them. And I figured why I even yeah. have them if I'm not using them. People might try and contact me there and I don't want to have a bad experience with them. I'd rather just not exist mm-hmm. there. So really it's Facebook, okay. Twitter. Um, you can, I mean, I will respond to Instagram stuff because I, I go on there relatively frequently to talk to my tattoo artist uh, and I will see things, but like it's not a place that you're ever going to see me post stuff. No. Fair play, fair play. Um, and of course, uh, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So so get, go check out Russell's latest Kickstarter. Um, make sure that you... Uh that you read it, read through the campaign page if you if you haven't come across Ikebada Jones before, um, and uh, yeah, please consider backing it because um, it's a it's a, it's a heck of a heck of a book, um, and uh, yeah, very much looking forward to volume four. Oh well, yeah, uh, thank you. And you can also get the first issue for free on the Kickstarter page. Oh, as well. Perfect. Excellent. So uh, just head straight to the Kickstarter page, folks, <laughs> and then go, go download that first issue if you haven't read it before. Uh, fantastic. And then, uh, of course, uh, follow Russell on all of the socials as well. Uh, now, all of that aside, Russell, I've got some bad news for you, unfortunately. And that is, whilst we've been chatting away, there's actually been a super intelligent ape uprising. And so my first question for you is, what is your action plan for survival in this super intelligent ape uprising apocalypse? So you, you, you believe that super intelligent apes would be worse than this, the unintelligent apes that we have running this world right now? <laughs> like, I'm honestly like I haven't done anything to these apes. I'm going to kick them back. I'm, them... yeah, I'm just going to let them like destroy society and rebuild it. Hopefully better. Like they are like I'm probably on the ape side here. Like, have you seen the last 10 years? Like I am like they probably are in the right. <laughs> excellent so yeah just kick back let them do their thing and then integrate yourself into the new super intelligent ape society yeah that sounds great to me i mean how much worse can they make it like gas is seven dollars a gallon like like the global economy is falling apart like how could super intelligent apes do worse than that is that give them a shot yeah i mean i I, Um, I would vote for them i mean I mean, yeah. you know, I don't want to vote for like, you know, red or white, blue or green party, but like, I'll give the apes a chance because that's at least something different. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, and, and now that they're the super intelligent apes are in power um, and, and you've been um, very, very supportive of, of their cause, um, they want to find out a bit more about kind of human culture and history. 
um, and they discover that that you're a comic book writer, um, and they want to find out about comic books. Um, and their first question for you is, uh, what's the first comic you remember enjoying? I remember uh, Death of Superman pretty well because I thought it was the most bonkers thing I'd ever. It's the most popular superhero, and they just killed him. And like that was at a yeah. time they don't just kill things and then bring them back all of the time like superman mm-hmm. kind of this this was like the beginning of them doing all of that stuff um but i just remember reading that issue and i think i still have one in the in the white um pouch when he was reborn and then just like five supermen took over afterwards and i was like what is going on and that whole event of like <laughs> i mean the return of superman the, the death of superman was really it was really like traumatic but like the return of superman where they had like steel and superboy and um and uh, that kryptonite, the one that was like, from the center of the earth. And like, there were a couple others, like, and you were like, which one is the real Superman? I don't know. And like, they were all like feuding with each other and like fighting with and for each other and together. Like that chaos was, was something really awesome to watch. Awesome. Um, and uh, what, uh, did you read it when it, when it first came out? Yeah, I read it when it first came out. Um, and uh, Yeah. And so... No, go ahead, sir. Oh, and yeah, like I, weekly watch reading all of those books and trying to figure out what was going on until like the big reveal was like was pretty. It was like the f- a formative memory in my in my comic book experience. Excellent. So you you were heading just to your local comic book shop, or was it on a on a rack or something? Yeah, it was. Uh, so there was a there was a comic book and baseball store that um, that uh, was about. Uh, two mile bike ride and so i would go there mm. every every couple of weeks to to get because they that was also like i was used to like one x-men book you know like mm. this was like every week they were coming out with like new stuff and all of the different superman titles and again like positive or negative as that has turned now into like 27 batman titles and like 50 spider-man titles every month but like back then like it was it was like there was so much cool stuff that was happening and like everyone was trying to convince you that they were the real Superman. Um, and so, yeah, I would, I would bike every week or so and, and pick up, pick up new books there. Fantastic. And so, yeah, obviously that kind of set the stage um, for, for your comic book writing later on. Um, but at that stage where you can see, were you writing your own stories? Were you drawing your own stories? Where were you at creatively? Um, well, I didn't think I was a writer when I was a kid, but my mom proved me wrong by, 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 by bring, by pulling out a, um, a box should she had found that like just had writings and poetry and like published things. I guess like a published poet when I was like 12, I guess, or something like that. I worked for the local newspaper, writing stories and doing photography. And so I wasn't so much comics and, um, and uh, novels back then. I was more like journalism. I went to journalism school uh, uh, for college, and I was more into like filmmaking and and movies and TV than I was comics and uh, and books. But you know, time time shows what you should be doing, and and uh, and it all and it came, it came back to it about twenty years later. Fantastic. And what was your, what was your first title that that you felt right? This is it. This is the the story idea that I'm really going to sit down and start writing. So I've never been a this is the one to do. I've been much more like let's just do a bunch of them and see which one hits and which one feels mm-hmm. right. Uh, so I did when I did um, a 
uh, wannabes. I was like, oh, this is cute. Like, I get it. Like, fake superheroes who get real superpowers. Like, that's an easy pitch. Like, and then I, and I wanted to do something that was kind of simple that I could do. Um, that uh, So, like, eight pages seemed like a doable thing. I'd written directed movies and TV and stuff before that. So, like, an eight-page comic seemed doable. And then when that didn't work, I really, I, I was focused on Ichabod. But I was like, this is... Like, what if it fails again? Like, I need something else. So I did this book called Paradise and um, had a couple other pitches for things that didn't quite work out. And I kind of just pitched a bunch of them around. And Ichabod is the one that stuck with people. And so I sat down and said, okay, how can I make this like really, really good? I actually think Paradise is also really, really good. And Wannabes is really, really good. But like, there was always something kind of magical about Ichabod. Like, Renzo was only one of five artists who applied to draw the book. And he just came with right. this like perfect attitude and this perfect like uh, 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 influence ethic. And I ended up hiring a bunch of artists out of Argentina, um, some of which are like in collectives with Renzo now. But it all just mm. kind of had this magic energy to it of how it all came together and just how how weird it was. There were some other books that had like criminals as the main characters but the criminals always were doing these very violent horrible things and trying to justify them and i think that what happened with ichabod is like he is a criminal he's done terrible things in his past but, like he's honestly trying to do the right thing and like he's honest and yeah. forthright and there's like there was something i think about that at the time uh that 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 both like pushed away at what comics was and kind of moved like was was following the wave of like what comics would become, which is a lot more diverse in how they saw stories and how they, and just the way that it it it, it picked up on the mental illness of uh, and and dealt with it. And like what people have told me um, is like a a a, 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 a good way. Uh, just all of those things kind of made Ichabod. I don't know, like stand out among the other good comics, but didn't not mm-hmm. elevate it above. Uh, um, I hate saying things like that because it's like, like it lets, you know, it's like, get, get out your own, get out your own stink. But like, there was something that endured it. And even when it launched yeah. on Kickstarter, like hmm. it endured and people kept asking about like, whether it was in his head or whether it was not in his head, they wanted more. The only reason that there's more is because I set what I thought was an impossible goal of $16,000 to bring this book back from the dead and do a second volume. And sure enough, we hit $16,000 when when we launched Mm -hmm. again, and then 20 and then 22. And like all of that kind of moved forward in a way that like, I personally have done a lot of books and like people don't talk to me so much about most of the books. Like they just don't, they uh, like, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, they say they enjoy it. They, they like, they, they like fanboy about it, but like the people that, that read Ichabod, they like, there's something that gets them deep in like the core of, yeah. of them. That, they live it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I don't, you know, I've done a lot of books and Ichabod was the first. And so it was the first one that came out and people were doing that when Ichabod came out, coming back and asking me about it. And I was like, oh, this is just what happens when you do a book. But I've mm-hmm. done 40 other books and like very rarely do people come by and have these like very pointed conversations about mm-hmm. morality and right and wrong and like just they get so into Ichabod um and and there's and I still like I said I still don't know like the magic sauce for that book because otherwise I would yeah. bottle it and do it every other time <laughs> um, right? 
Yeah, but it's it's it's, it's one of those books that just like it gets into you. And, and it's really easy to see because it either will permeate you and you'll love it or like you will be so far against it that like, and it's very easy, very polarizing. The Gods vs. Chronicles, Katrina and Black Market Heroine and Cthulhu, they're very, they're much more like mass market books. Like everyone mm-hmm. likes them. Yeah. But this, mm-hmm. the Cakebite is so polarizing that like, I tell people like, if you like it, you will like everything that I do. But if you don't like it, it is not necessarily... Uh, that you won't like other books that I do because like, it's very much its own entity. So I guess with that, with that in mind, what, what advice would you give to your younger self at the start of all of this, having lived this experience? I would say that the books that you make at the beginning of your career will follow you throughout your career. And this is something that I think comic creators do not think about. And frankly, I didn't think about it either. But like, all of the books that I made when I was at the beginning of my career, with the exception of like Paradise, probably, um, I talk about on a pretty regular basis, like, and especially the comics, Katrina and Ichabod were like the two first books that I made. And 10 years later, they are still the basis of my entire career is based on the God's Verse Chronicles, which Katrina became and Ichabod. Um, uh, and so like those things, they, they follow you and like, make sure. And I think I did a pretty good job of that because I made other stuff badly before that, but like, just make sure that all of the things that you make are at the best quality that you possibly can. Because once somebody makes an opinion about you, it is almost impossible for them to change that opinion. It's almost impossible to get them to change that opinion. If it's a good opinion, well, especially mm-hmm. if it's a bad opinion. If it's a good opinion, it yeah. can change to a bad <laughs> opinion, but a bad opinion mm-hmm. will very rarely change to good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, once once you've lost that reader, you've lost them, <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's and it's so much harder to keep fans than it is to make new fans. Mm-hmm. So like, I just thought yeah. it was, you would keep getting them. Like you, like it was so easy to sell those books at the beginning because no one had made up their opinion. But now, even though I have so many more books, a lot of people made up their opinion on Ichabod and they're like, nope. Or they made up their opinion that they'll only read Ichabod and they don't care about anything else you make. It's very rare to find a fan who will be like, yeah, I'll read all of your books, no matter what they are. Um, and those fans are like so yeah. lovely, but I can't tell you how often I've done a book and said, hey, this is set in the same universe. And they're like, cool, bye. And you're like, oh, oh okay. But you just <laughs> said this was your favorite comic book you've ever written, you've ever read. And like, I, this is for me, like I, the same creative creator of that book in the same universe. It's just set different. And they're like, no, it sounds cool. Bye. And like, <laughs> I, I get it. Like, I mean, I get it like intellectually, but it's just, it's hard to like, watch it's hard to watch and be like what just happened like you <laughs> like i get it if you're like it wasn't my jam or like it wasn't like, eh, but like when people are like this is my favorite book i've ever read and you're like cool that's awesome what did you love about it? and you talk a little bit about it answer some questions and you're like oh well this is also in that same vein they're like nah not that. i'm like i mean i would I, I would at least give it a shot i don't know like i would at least pick it up and look <laughs> yeah. at it like if i just my favorite comic i'd ever made and there was a sequel to it but so, yeah, I mean, all of those little like quirks, you just have to and then you have to mm. just not care. You just have to yeah, let it roll exactly. off of you. Like, that's the biggest thing yeah. is like, um, uh, you know, uh, do it for your do it for yourself first. Do it for the people who pay you second. Do it for the people who stream your stuff legally third. 
and then do it for people that hype you forth in that order. And mm-hmm. like, you just have to be able to fall back and say, I'm proud of this work. I'm proud of this thing. Um, and then probably the final thing I would say is like, I'm 40 now. I've been doing this for a long, I'm almost 40. Uh, 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 and like the people who you come up with, like things are just going to start happening for people just by being around the universe. And like, if you think things are not going to happen, you just need to meet more people and then let time mm-hmm. exist. Like there's so many reasons mm-hmm. why like 40 is this kind of breakout decade for people because like all of their friends that they were coming up with, like that did good work, like are getting in positions of power. You know, they are agents now, not agents, assistants. They're not, they're not assistant editors. They're editors or group editors. Like they're, mm-hmm. they're doing books at, at, at Marvel or DC and like all of these people that you just, kind of come up with are now doing stuff and all of you that are helping each other by just being cool and, 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 and giving and meeting a bunch of people, you will um, like, you'll naturally go up as long as the quality of your work is exceptional. Cause this is the, 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 the thing is like often you'll leave people behind. Like if you, you will, like you just, if people will not be on your same exact journey, like they'll be there for a moment. And it's beautiful. That moment is beautiful that you and them are like on the same journey, sharing the same air, but then your journeys divide. And like, that's fine. Like that's, that's okay too. But, um, but you have to understand that like that, that, that time like will marinate all of these relationships in a way that, uh, that will make it more be- more career beneficial for you in the long run. And also personally beneficial because you're watching all of your friends succeed. But if you're 22 or 23 or 28, or you've only been doing this for a year, like all, none of those relationships have been around long enough to bake, like to, to, to bake yeah. enough to like mm-hmm. congeal into something that's amazing. But like over time they will, and you'll realize it one day you're like, oh, well, yeah. Like my friends, the group editor at IDW and my friends over here. And then my friends started scout comics and my friend, all of these people that like mm-hmm. were just doing their things suddenly are like doing real things. And hopefully you're doing real things too. And like, then there's a basis yeah. for you to get together and do stuff together. Exactly. And then you're a, 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 a 10, 20 year overnight success. Yeah, exactly. Because that's and, the thing like, with overnight successes. They're, they're never overnight successes. There's like years, decades of work that had gone in before that. Yeah, and so <laughs> often it's like some kind... My, my friend was just telling me um, at... Um, we are at a wedding and he's like, you know, I'm, I, I did something nice for somebody 10 years ago. And like, oh no, it was at dinner the other day. He was like, I did something nice for somebody in 2004. And like, they gave me a job in 2018. And like, just, it was like one nice thing that they said. And like all of those things add up and Mm -hmm. like, you never know where that connection is going to go. And I'm not saying like, go in there and be like guiling about it. I'm just going to make real genuine connections and like be genuinely Mm -hmm. nice and helpful. And I can't tell Mm -hmm. you how often people are like, you know, you really helped me on this journey. And like, they have a 10 book deal with Dark Horse or like this other, some other stuff happens. That's like, just magically, like you help other people and then they help you and then the career blossoms from there. And oftentimes you'll be helping somebody and like, they're going to get way further than you, but like, that's okay. Because like 
that you were there, there were that little spark or that little part that helped their story. And like, you know, I watched that stuff too. Friends of mine who like came up after me, but are now working at Marvel or DC or have huge book deals or like, you know, are doing big things. And, you know, you have to be like really, really joyous for them on top of um, joyous for yourself. And, and that's, but that stuff takes time. Like, and people do, people are so, 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 so critical that like, oh, I've been doing this for a year and nothing happened. You're like, okay, well, how big's your mailing list? How big's your audience? How many times have you gotten in front of people? Like, who is your network? Like, you know, and they're like, oh, nobody. I'm like, or like, I haven't, I have a hundred people. I'm, and it's like, okay, you need more people. You just need a volume of people to know because yeah. out of every thousand people, you know, like one or two of them are going to be like these magical collaborators that like, will will be your career. And, you know, I would also probably tell them, please pick your collaborators carefully because you don't need many of them to turn your career around or to make a career defining thing. You know, I have had one editor for about 40 of my books, one, one proofreader for 30 of my books. Like, you know, I've had like four cover designers. I've only worked with maybe 10 or 15 artists my whole career um, on different things, but I come back to them over and over and over again. And like, you have to be very judicious with what you pick and understand that like, they're going to be a part of your life forever, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Sage, sage advice, Russell. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Now, heading back to our um, new super intelligent ape society, um, the next question that crops up in their, um, in their line of questioning is what's the funniest comic that you've read? Uh, so there's a comic... Um, that's actually a web comic that Bunyo puts out called Warm Bloods. And it is mm-hmm. the most absurd thing I think I've ever read. I don't always quote it when people ask me this question, but like it is a comic where the um the mystery the mystery of it is solved in the first page. Uh, because mm-hmm. the main character, the 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 killer is walking around bloody, like just like he they killed somebody. And um and nobody cares. The love interest is a killer shrimp, a huge killer shrimp. Like the, the, the art style changes every three to four pages, but like nobody comments on it ever. It's just this most absurd thing I've ever read. And like, I love it so much and nobody has ever read it. And it makes me, it makes my heart hurt because it's so, it's so absurdly funny by being, by playing everything completely straight. Amazing, I love it. And um, is it is that uh, ongoing or is that is that come to an end? I think the no. web comic is still going. It's a pretty long web comic. Yeah. I think they only put out one yeah. volume through Bunio, but um, the web comic right. should be still be going. Or it's it's long enough that like you'll be able to enjoy at least an afternoon reading that comic, and hopefully, yeah, it'll blow your mind as much as it blew my mind. Sure, that's fun though, and I mean that's really brave to like do that sort of thing, um, isn't it? As particularly yeah. changing the art style like every three to four pages. Yeah, it's it's a wonderful. I've been trying to figure out a way to justify doing it in a book that I'm working on because it's like so brilliant. Yeah. You get you can do a book so fast and work with so many artists and get all the advantages of 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 um, of, um, of of an anthology storytelling environment. Um, 
but I just, I haven't found a way to make it work. And it's just, I mean, it's just such a brilliant piece that um, does not get the credit that it deserves. Fair play. Um, and as you say, it's a webcomic, so you, um, you should be able to Google it, Warm Blood, and um, uh, and read it online, I guess. Yeah, and you can get the the Bunio book too, the first volume. As well. Yeah, precisely. Um, that's great. Uh, now, changing gears a little bit, what's the saddest comic that you've read? I don't know about the saddest comic. I know the saddest moment in comics is that moment at the mm-hmm. end of Why the Last Man, um, where you think everything's going well, and then it all just falls apart in like that last, the last like um, chapter. Um, and I, I guess I can't say what happens there, but like, if you've read why the last man, like, it's like, to me, the moment of why the last man, where you like, which will like leave you upset for the rest of your life. Um, uh, so that, that moment that I know it's been done for like 10 years, but like, I still feel like you should just go, go enjoy, um, I'll, with uh, even the even and why the last man is the story the book that i read that really made me want to do comics again and like i know it's problematic in all sorts of ways um but sure uh it's still it's still like it, it just it blends um brian and pia's work in such a beautiful way that it showed me that how to how to combine art and com- art and words together in a way that resonated with without with, with complementing each other because so much so much of comics comic writers especially is like just a bunch of words and then there's some random pictures that like really could have like that, that like are being overpowered by the words or pictures or, or op- the opposite and I just thought that that was just a perfect combination of of, of word and picture working together. Excellent, excellent. And uh, changing gears once again, uh, what's the scariest comic that you've read? Um, Sync number one. It's the only one that I can think of that really scared. I actually had to. Um, mm. I actually had to text John and uh, be like, "This is great. This is the most effed up. I'm, this is the most unsettled I've ever been." Um, Brian Hawkins also makes some really scary comics, but that's the one that always comes to my mind because it is so unsettling. And uh, just to give the the um, listeners a flavour who haven't come across Sync before, um, what what's the premise? I don't even know if I can remember what the premise is. Uh, it's a series of stories set in Glasgow, I think, uh, of, that correct, are just yeah. each each scarier than the other one, and mostly it's just unsettling. And they all kind of they don't necessarily weave together, but they weave together in the tapestry of like this very creepy underground like world of horror that exists right under the surface of and one of the things that's so scary about it is like that's it's not monsters it's like the human people being monsters and just doing monstrous things for the most part fantastic um and uh yeah that's got quite a few volumes uh now hasn't it sync yeah, it's, it's it's been going on for a while, but like I remember getting the review copy of the first volume and just I was so angry at Tyler because I was like, you made this thing and it's so it's with all of you. It's so great, but like it's so scary. It's so unsettling. Totally. And I mean, I just I just wanted to try and bring up um, the 
kind of the the synopsis from from the original Kickstarter, and, and basically John John's written here. So if if killer clowns prowl the streets in a blue van, a shovel wielding vigilante in a fox mask uh, serves brutal justice after dark, and the last bus home is always full of corpses. Well, pal, you must be in Sink Hill. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. the, the the essence of uh, of Sync. So, if you haven't come across it before, folks, definitely go check out Sync. It's uh, and it's 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 a it's another success story of Kickstarter as well. Um, so um, for sure, yeah, and he so, just had his new uh, hotels book is now under uh, now in, under development. So, like, he's great. Like, and I think he just announced another book today. So, if you like horror oh, stuff, John is like yeah. to me yeah. like one of the one of the uh, preeminent horror comic writers that that writes books today. Definitely, definitely. Um, and uh, John John's been on the show as well, folks. So if he, if you, if you haven't um, listened um, or come across John Lee's before, uh, go search it on the podcast feed, and uh, you can listen to John's episode. Um, but uh, yeah, and then um, favorite cover. And um, what is your favorite cover? So pretty much anything that Magnetic Press puts out, I specifically am thinking of Astro Pan or Brindle. Um, the only thing that I can think of the, the, the aesthetically, any of the Peach Momoko covers that they put out is um, is Fairy Quest by Umberto Ramos and um, Paul Jenkins, because Umberto Ramos is one of my favorite artists. And I think those covers are just so exquisitely beautiful. But I think I have to give the nod to um, to Mike over at uh, over at Magnetic Press by putting out just like just the knockout from nausea to love to, to the two that the Astro pan and Brindle and just literally everything mm-hmm. has just the most beautiful, precise covers. Um, uh, that. Yeah. And for all so of those, imagine, are kick, yeah. all of those are Kickstarter books also as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, we're in a funny period now, aren't we? Where kind of even like, you know, mainstream publishers are utilizing Kickstarter. Um, for uh for publishing books um basically and kind of i don't know if they're they're using it as a pre-order system as such um or if they're if they're using it to to get the funds to pay the artists up front and things well um, i remember before mike and, before mike and magnetic press were um with lion forge they were on their own and i just remember them struggling mightily with kickstarter for a long time and then just like one day right. they figured it out all out and like it's been really wonder like one of the one of the great kickstarter success stories in my opinion because like they went from doing like six seven thousand dollars we would talk and be like what is why can't i do this it's like i literally don't know i have no idea why and then suddenly because they had won like six or been nominated for like six or seven um Eisner's at that time. And I was like, I don't know why you're not getting like, why your people are not buying these books, but then people started finding them. And then now they're doing like $50,000 every time they do a book. And like, it's really wonderful wow. to, to watch that, um, that unfold in, in that way. Yeah, totally. I mean, there, there are so many good um, Kickstarter success stories now. Um, like, like Curtis Clow, for instance, um, has, has done fantastic work and, and, um, the one of the authors of, of of one of the books just coming up in in your in your choices um, is another success story from Kickstarter as well, and it just goes to show, you know, what a great a great community it is, um, and and kind of a I know it's a bit of trial by fire, <laughs> a bit isn't it Kickstarter, 
but I think I think it's really creating a great um, culture of trying to you know put together professionally made um, comic books and just putting it out to the community, and then hopefully the cream does rise to the top for for the most part. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. And you've been obviously a massive part of that, Russell. So um thanks for for you know cultivating that culture for us. <laughs> uh it's it's my it's my pleasure, honestly. This is a place I buy most of my books, if you can't tell. Yeah, right, exactly. Um and uh, yeah, moving on to our next question. Uh what comic do you repeatedly read the most? Uh, so it's a tie between Destiny New York from Pat Shand, uh, because he mm-hmm. puts out a new volume every year and I basically go back and reread the previous volume every time he does. Although it's getting a lot harder now that he's got five volumes. It's a lot easier when he had like two or three, um, especially mm-hmm. and now he's got like branches off that you have to follow. Um, or mm-hmm. my absolute favorite comic of all time, Serenity Rose from Aaron Alexevich. Um, he has a... He uh, put it all together in one called uh, 10 Awkward Years, which is like, again, like mind-blowingly a Kickstarter. I think it did like $80,000 or something on Kickstarter. And uh, it's just the most lovely, wonderful book. And and it really shows how his art changed from every volume to the next. Um, so yeah, those are my two. I reread both of them at least once a year. Excellent. Is it, is it, and is there any particular reason... Uh, that you do you do read them repeatedly like that i just i love them they're they're they're, they're yeah. just like i love um i love logan uh logan uh story in destiny new york and like i love um sarah's story in in serenity rose just like sometimes things just hit you and like they just hit me at the right the right moment <laughs> like i i love the old slg stuff johnny the homicidal maniac was a huge influence on ichabod but like i also generally prefer like softer stories um not the super heavy hitting one and so serenity rose is really one that like has all of the charm of the slg work without any of the hack slashing of uh of uh of johnny the homicidal maniac although like i do enjoy the moral quandaries and the philosophy posed in johnny the homicidal maniac but um Mm. my nod always goes to serenity rose um I just, every time I read it, I think it's not going to be my favorite one. And always, every single time I'm like, nope, this is my favorite comic still. Uh, (laughs) It has been for like eight years. Nice, nice. Um, And then kind of in a similar vein, uh, what's the most meaningful comic to you? Personally, so I... um... I think I, I I put down I Kill Giants. Um, I don't because there's so many, but like I Kill Giants was a book I, I bought from Joe Kelly at Comic Con at the Man of Action booth, and I was like, wow, creators really just they're here, like they're just humans, like the rest of us. And then yeah. just the actual, and then combining that with um, um, oh my god, I can't remember the artist's name uh, right now. Um, there J.M. were Ken Namiri. Yes, thank you. I was like, I know it's a hard name, and I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, to, um, but yeah, uh, just the most beautiful work and combining like reality and fantasy and um, that whole like what is reality thing is kind of a big deal for me. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so it was just, and it's just so beautiful and wonderfully done. And I love the movie and I love the comic. Um, so probably both for just what it meant to me to buy that book. Uh, mm. And what it meant, for, and then also the reading of it um, combines to be my favorite, uh, the most meaningful one for me. Oh, that's fantastic! And, is, and it is—it's always great to have that connection to the actual creator. 
as yeah. well. And as you just, as you say, when you do realize that, you know, creators, they, they are just humans like, like you and I, um, and that, you know, it, it is possible if you put in the work to become one of those creators. Yeah. And it's so, what well. it's so weird because like you're sitting with people now who are like the heads of production companies and whatever and you're like mm. i remember when we were just drinking like and we were nobody and like we just like had met <laughs> yeah. on some random like after a show one night and like neither of us had comics we were just kind of walking around or like you became a director mm. like that's cool but like i remember we were trying to hustle our first comic at like the first show that we ever did together uh together and like watching all of those things you really do learn it's just like yeah it's just they're just humans. They just, they made different decisions than like you did. And like, they, they see the world in a specific way, but like, we're all just kind of humans all grokking what we think is interesting. Totally. Fantastic. Uh, now, um, moving on to our penultimate question. Uh, what's the most underrated comic that you've read? Well, I read a lot of independent comics, so it's very hard for me to make this decision. But uh, I have been running into uh, the creator of Under the Cottonwood Tree, and it's like a it's like a Latino fairy tale comic, and uh, it's so good and wonderful. And I have it on my shelf, and every time I run into them, I always tell them how great. Uh, I think that book is so um, there are hundreds of I literally this question I had to I was like, well, how do I narrow it down to one? And the only way that I picked this one was because I just recently saw him. Um, so like the last two times I did shows like we were tabling near each other. And so um, but yeah, uh, it's a wonderful book. And frankly, almost every uh, most most every comic is underrated because comics as an industry is underrated, even the most popular and best comic is underrated over over in in publishing when you look at publishing as a whole yes absolutely it, it very much is isn't it um and i mean i'm i myself am trying to work out how how we increase the reach in the uk for instance um because yeah no it's still quite a comics themselves um uh, are actually still quite fringe in a way um, and, and they're not necessarily taken seriously um, as a as a medium of literature. Yeah, they're getting <laughs> a lot. Quite, it's getting quite sad, it's but. getting a lot better, but really, it's getting a lot better yeah. in the YA space, which is great. Like, I love YA mm. books, but like, you know, sure. it would be nice to have more penetration in more adult books, especially because Ichabod mm-hmm. and a lot of the stuff I do, like, they're not YA friendly. So, if you make more YA books, you get a and I think it's going to come to people are doing YA books now and then those people are going to grow up and they're going to want more advanced, more advanced different kinds of books. And that will help the adult yeah. comic book market. But right mm-hmm. now it's like very focused in first reader and middle grade and then YA books that are, I mean, again, they're wonderful. Like I love uh, Shadow of a Batgirl and I love, uh, I love my YA comic books, but the adult comic book industry is massively underrepresented and frankly so is the so is the ya comic industry because even with all of the growth that's happened there it's a fraction Mm. of a fraction of the overall industry as a whole yeah absolutely absolutely now uh coming on to our final question and that is if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which would it be well I feel like I already said Serenity Rose, but I'm going to say it again because mm-hmm. it's a hardcover. It's like yes. 500, over 500 pages. It's three different volumes plus like dozens of like back matter stuff that you can all enjoy. So like it can be 
Uh, it can be both something to, to read and love and then also heavy enough to kill somebody. Too right, too right. Just just in case the super intelligent uh, apes go a little bit too far. <laughs> well, I think that more likely you're going to have problems from other humans than you are from yes, apes. Yes, you're, you're, quite, you're quite right. You're quite right. Um, and then along with uh, Serenity Rose, what weapon, tool or useful item would you like to take with you as well? Um, so... I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like a gardening thing that I would want. Cause like, I don't think that the answer is like having weapons. Like I think the answer is like yeah. building a community around other with other people. So it would be something right. that could maybe a, um, a, something to dig like a, a well or like find a, find water, um, mm-hmm. like do something pr- like, most of us are not going to be soldiers in whatever apocalyptic situation. And like, most people are woefully unable to like produce their own food or darn their own socks or like do any of the do different handiwork. So um, Mm -hmm. it would be, I don't know, a hammer, like a wrench, like something that would be like useful to a backhoe, like something that would be useful to like a group of people. Uh, Cause I think Mm -hmm. generally like people are good and they will, would like come into communities because that's how it's always been. Um, yes. but like, I, I don't know, a book, like a pen, like, because then like I could do the thing that I do and write and journal and tell stories mm-hmm. and maybe that would be useful. Um, I don't know, like maybe a wrench because a wrench could be big and heavy and useful, but also, I guess I could also use it as a weapon if I had to. Totally. So, so, uh, a big old wrench, um, will do the job and perhaps you can kind of, you can always like attach stuff to it as well sure i guess and kind of turn it into a spade <laughs> sure yeah 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 like one of those big 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 like ones that yeah, you use for cars yeah precisely precisely excellent uh well russell dolty thank you so much for sharing your comics for the apocalypse today it's been a real pleasure thank you so much for having me it's been great excellent and then just uh for the listeners one more time where can they find you online uh, you can go to russellnolte.com to join my mailing list or find me on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram, though I will not like post anything on Instagram. Uh, and then uh, on Kickstarter is honestly the place I'm usually most active because I've usually got a campaign going, including uh, Ichabod Jones Monster Hunter uh, Volume 4 right now, which ends the series so you can get the complete story. Amazing. Amazing. Um, and then do you have any shows coming up or anything? Uh, I think I will be at Long Beach Comic Con, and then um, and then uh, twenty books in Vegas in November, and those are the only two ones that I think I have coming up because I've got a big big uh, research trip to Paris planned in the week of New York Comic Con, so I will not be there. Nice, nice, very cool though uh, to be doing a uh, research trip to Paris. So uh, that sounds like it's going to be fun. I mean, I love doing, I did a research trip to Italy a few years ago, one to Spain. You can actually see my research trip to Italy because my uh, artist rotoscoped some of my imagery to use for uh, Ichabod Volume 3 when we have a, a cutscene for um, uh, for Venice. So, so yeah, it was really, it's really interesting. And I, I like bringing that into, and I wrote a book from my trip to Spain and I'll, I'm using the one that I go to Paris for like a, the, the setting for another new world. So 
Uh, I'm really, really love doing the research trips, but they really are incredibly much more helpful than I thought they would be when I started. I started doing them for just because I was like, I need a reason to write this trip off. But now I'm like, no, they really are helpful <laughs> in getting a flavor for like just the underlying undergirding of a new different kind of culture and society. For sure. For sure. And then do you have any uh, planned for, for London at all at any time? <laughs> I was in London a couple of years ago. I would love to come back to Thought Bubble. I would love to go to Thought Bubble one year, Great. but uh, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't. Or um, they have a small uh, self-publishing um, uh, uh, conference there. Um, Mark Dawson does in June, and I was trying to get mm-hmm. him get out there for that, but I didn't. So probably those are one of the two things. But um, yeah, I do love, yeah. I do love London. Excellent, excellent. Well, if you're over there, just hit hit me up. It'd be nice to buy you a coffee. <laughs> will do excellent well russell thanks again for your time today it's been a real pleasure uh finding out your comics for the apocalypse and uh yeah i wish you all the best with it with the rest of the campaign thank you so much take care thanks again to russell for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure if you enjoyed the show please leave a review for us on itunes spotify or whichever podcast service you use as not only will let me know that you liked it but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Russell's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news, the comic club, and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the next week, I'll see you next Monday. Bye for now.